0: KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with someone you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is one on one sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers. Get a deal you'll like on a Honda you'll love.
1: Coaching to me, I'm a teacher to coaches, and it's just a different classroom. So instead of having the desk and the walls, it's a field, and you just get an opportunity to instruct the young people. It's really a lot of fun to see them develop and, and see them have a passion for the game.
0: And our guest this week is Sam Tropiano. He is the high school baseball coach at Bishop Eustace Prep High School in Pensauken, New Jersey. He is also the winningest head coach in the history of South Jersey high school baseball. Has nearly 750 victories to his credit. Sam, thanks so much for taking the time.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure to be here, man.
0: As we are having this conversation here mid-January, I know obviously you're teaching, so that's one focus, but from a baseball standpoint, where are you as far as preparations
1: for the spring? Right now, we're in the off-season where we concentrate a great deal on strength and conditioning. Uh, we'll meet a few times a week, uh, three to four times a week. We'll we'll get going with some running and some weight training, but we're in that Part of it right
0: now. You've been doing this a long time. Do you still get the same excitement as the season approaches as you did when you first started?
1: I, I do. I'm still very passionate about it. I still enjoy the grind uh and it's it's become almost it's, it's unbelievable that high school coaching has become a year-round type of activity but I still get fired up and actually right now you're starting to get a little itchy uh, when the pitchers and catchers report for the Phillies that's really our true sign that it's right around the corner
0: and you mentioned it being a year-round thing is that something that it happened all at once or has it kind of been gradually where all of a sudden you know the season and the preseason and the postseason all just started creeping together and eventually just kind of became one continuous circle
1: no, it, it's gradually happened over the decades. Um, I've been doing this close to 40 years. And 40 years ago, our players were football players. who we then went into basketball. And then sometime around March, they took out the old glove, dusted it off, and got ready for baseball. And now you'd be hard-pressed uh, to find a, a young person who does all three. Uh, they specialize so early, for better or for worse but it's become incredible in terms of how prepared kids are, how much they play in their one specialized sport.
0: So let's talk a little bit about your life in baseball. As I understand it, you were actually born in Italy and you came to the U.S. when you were six. Is that correct?
1: Correct. Baseball, I like to say, chose me. I I, I probably wouldn't have chosen to coach baseball. I was a, a soccer guy born in Italy, playing soccer through all of, My youth that played it in high school. And then I stumbled onto this baseball thing in my first teaching job, and uh, it just got into my blood a little bit. It hasn't left since. Do you remember that first moment
0: when you realized
1: what baseball meant to you? I I think I I appreciated the competition that that sport gave, not that soccer didn't give it to me. It just, I had the opportunity very early to become a head coach. Uh, I got started down to St. Augustine Prep, and I coached there for a few years. And it looked like I was going to go in a different direction in life. Uh, I was pursuing a graduate degree. Uh, I was teaching on a college level. I was headed towards a PhD and thinking of teaching in college. And then again, this baseball thing, kind of happened, and um, the rest is history. I've, I've just fallen in love with the sport, and uh, I continue to have a love affair with the sport today.
0: So there wasn't much playing for you baseball-wise growing up?
1: No, there was. I, there I grew was, up okay. the streets of South Philly where you played everything, got involved with baseball recreationally, football, as we said, soccer on the high school level, on the, on the more competitive level. Uh No, I was, I was a sports junkie. Uh, in terms of playing it and watching it and getting involved in, it, I, I still am to a certain degree.
0: What position, baseball-wise, were you playing?
1: I was a pitcher, and uh, that still stayed with me. I have an affinity for pitching, and I get very involved in that part of the game and in coaching baseball.
0: Who was your guy growing up, as far as who you you know kind of fancied yourself uh, following in the footsteps of, like from a big league
1: standpoint? Uh, I grew up uh, loving to watch lefty Steve Carlton number 32 and especially that one magical year he had uh, in 72 where he won 27 games I think the team in general won 59 and here he just dominated 27 and 10 had an ERA of under two and uh, I just really was so impressed with his presence and his command and how he went about his business. I I think it was then that I kind of fell in love with the art of pitching.
0: What was your position when you played soccer?
1: I was an an attacker, an outside right wing guy. I was blessed with a great deal of foot speed. So that was uh, very, very helpful.
0: Do you feel like are there things in the soccer skill set that translate to make a good baseball player like are there things you're obviously not thinking it at the time and you're playing it like oh this could help me but do you think there's there's overlap there where soccer skills uniquely help in baseball
1: i think uh foot speed is the great athletic skill that translates in all sports and certainly in 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 soccer it's very helpful in baseball it's very it makes you a great base dealer, a great defender you can go get the ball and Probably have a lot of great fast twitch muscles, which help you in all aspects of the game. So there is some similarity. But I I, I think what I gathered from was just was the competitive nature. I'm a very competitive person. So I I got that outlet on the soccer field. And then I got it on the baseball field. I got it in just about every game I could play on the streets of Philadelphia. And now it's continued on that I get to compete. It's still thrilled that you get to compete. Every day you jump on the field, and that's, that's kind of a lot of fun.
0: You went to Villanova, right? Did you pursue any playing there, or were you strictly just focused on academics?
1: No, I. it was all academics at Villanova. I was uh, a commuter, so I didn't get to experience the, the full college uh, atmosphere. And as I said, I got my bachelor's, I got my master's degree, and my dream would have been of perhaps teaching up at Nova Nation, but uh, that we, life had other plans for me.
0: And you had British literature? That's what your degree was in?
1: Correct. I thought I was going to be the next great Shakespearean scholar here. And uh, it's a, it's amazing how life takes turns in, in different directions that way. What's your favorite Shakespeare piece? Uh, I'm a big drama guy, uh, a, a big Hamlet and Macbeth and all the, the great dramas that are out there.
0: So you mentioned St. Augustine, and that kind of opens the door for you into coaching. Did you always figure at some point you'd get into coaching or was it something that the opportunity came along and you, you jumped at it? Kind of give us your origin just into high school coaching in general.
1: Yeah. So I I student taught at St. Augustine and I uh, happened to meet the basketball coach here Paul Rodeo, uh, just a fantastic coach. And uh, I think I became the assistant to the assistant to the freshman coach. I just wanted to jump on and I caught him in the middle of a magical season in 1982 was my first year down there. They went to a state championship and uh, just being around coach rodeo and being around the athletes. I really fell in love with the competition and coach rodeo is really known to dot all the I's and cross the T's. And he had his teams prepared in every single way. And that, had a little bit of a rub on me in, in terms of an influence. So I want to say I probably got my start there in coaching basketball and then a baseball job opened uh, while I was there. And, um, I got involved with baseball and it was a lot of fun. And, and then at one point I, I had a, a friend who I met in British literature classes from Villanova who invited me to come up to Bishop Eustace. And at that point, I thought my coaching career was over. I was going to go full-fledged into teaching. And uh, again, they happened to have an opening in baseball when I came up here. And I got involved uh, first as a JV coach, then as a varsity assistant. And then at 1990, the coach left and I, I took over as head coach. Did
0: it feel comfortable coaching at first? Like, did it feel uh, maybe not comfortable is the word natural? Did it feel like something like yes, this is where I need to be?
1: Yes, because coaching to me, I'm a teacher to coaches and it's just a different classroom. So in, instead of having the desk and the walls, it's a field. And you just get an opportunity to instruct the young people and it's it, it's really a lot of fun to see them develop and and see them have a passion for the game. And it's it's been driving me for the last 38 years to be able to see that in a young person's eyes that they get it and they enjoy it. And, you know, perhaps we're fortunate enough for it to end in a dog pile celebration at the end. Uh, It's, it's, it's that that drives me uh, more than anything.
0: Do you remember the first time as a coach, when you talk about like a kid gets it, like when you were working with a kid and you could almost literally see the light go on and something you'd been working on and it clicks because I think that's got to be one of the most rewarding parts of coaching. Is there like a first one of those that you remember?
1: Yes, early on, as a coach, you always think it's about, as a youthful coach, you think it's about strength training and you think it's about repetition and skill development. And then you realize that those components are important, but the mental part of the game, infusing confidence and having the young person believe in themselves, I'm I'm really big on teaching kids about visualization uh seeing yourself be successful and uh, we we preach at a great deal go through the mental rehearsal before each pitch of what you want to do and in terms of relaxing and visualizing and then concentrating you basically just have to do that pitch after pitch you play it one pitch at a time in a game and every once in a while you'll see that kid understand that. You'll see that kid get on the hill and take a deep breath. The chest gets really big and slowly exhales. And, and then you see them peer in and really focus in on the catcher's glove and hit their spot and they're very calm and cool about it. And I, I, I can see kids do that. And then, you know, they've arrived. Once they've gotten to that part of the game, they've arrived as competitors. Then, you know, there's a lot of kids that are big, fast, strong and skilled, but they never quite put that mental component under control. They never develop, unfortunately, that mental toughness that you need in a sport like baseball because we we just fail so many darn times in this sport. You, if you're successful three out of 10 times as a hitter, they'll put you in a Hall of Fame. So that's how hard this sport is. So you have to learn, develop a very, very short memory.
0: I, I really think that's unique to baseball. I don't know that there's another sport that is so driven by failure.
1: Maybe uh, maybe golf, but you know golf. You have more control over the balls there. You're not you don't have another person throwing it, or you don't have other people trying to catch it on you. But you, you're right. The mental toughness, the the ability to have instant amnesia over something bad that has happened, will serve you well. And baseball will serve you well in life because we all have challenges in life, and you just have to learn how to shrug them off and and move on, grind on with what you're doing.
0: I love the way you put that, you know, teaching coaching, it's just a different classroom. Do you think you would be nearly as successful as a coach if you didn't have the teaching aspect?
1: No, I don't think so. I think teaching, and I'm blessed too that I teach AP psychology, which really shows you how the brain takes things in and shows you how the athlete assimilates knowledge, you know, cause I can remember early on in my coaching career shouting instruction. And that's just doesn't work. The brain doesn't work that way. Uh, it can only concentrate on a few things and you just want to let the kid kind of hone their skills. If you want to be tough on kids, you have to be tough on them and practice and then bring as much joy and as much of a relaxing environment as you can during the game. And most people just do the opposite. They're just, total lunatics during games and it's he, he, ha, ha practice. And you, you got to coach in opposites, as I call it, be tough during practice and be as relaxed during a game, both as a coach and as a player that that'll sue you well.
0: How long do you think it took you to really find your pace as a coach? Like really kind of not just find your voice, but as you just talked about the approach, like really find what worked, what you were comfortable with, the way you were able to get it across to the kids, you know, was it relatively early? Do you feel like it took a few years?
1: You know, probably to steal that term from the 10,000 hour rule by Mm -hmm. Malcolm Gladwell, it probably took me about 10 years to get it. As I said, probably the first 10 years, we thought it was all about sprints. We thought it was all about, you know, repetition. Let's hit 5,000 fungos. And then you realize like, no, you can hit about 25, 30 good fungos. As long as they're quality and they're pretty diligent about the repetition they're getting, you're fine. So it took me a little bit of time to back off of that mentality. Now, maybe that still works in a sport like football where there's more physicality. Maybe you have to work them harder and and you got to be tougher and there's got to be more uh, involved. But baseball, you got to back off a little bit. You, You can't be a screamer. So it took me a little while to get away from that screaming mentality. Not that I'm not very competitive, not that I dislike losing as much as anyone, but I, I've I've learned how to deal with it a little bit better and knowing that you're gonna help your players a little more if you learn how to deal with the adversity that the game's gonna send your way. You've
0: had so much success. You've reached the top of the mountain as far as championships are concerned. I'm curious how long do you feel like every year it takes you until you have a really good feel for what your team's capable of? Like what they're Ceiling is, you know, because a lot of times you talk to coaches and early on they'll say it's more about us than it is the opponent. You know, how long do you think before you can kind of look at the group and say, okay, we've really got a legitimate chance to win a championship, or this is a little bit more of a bridge year? We got to get you know more mature. Some we're we're young, whatever it is. Is there a certain point in the season, or does it vary season to season?
1: Again, baseball is so unique and it's so pitcher driven. So we've had years where we've had this great few years ago. We had an outstanding young man, Anthony Salamito. When he was on the hill, you were going to win. He was going to throw a shutout. There was a good chance he was going to throw a no-hitter. And then we, we were fortunate that we had a couple other Division I athletes also toe-to-rubber. And they just gave us an opportunity to win every time we went out. Now, some years, you don't have that luxury. You're, you're going to have a kid throw 90 Three one day and then you've got your second throw 78 and your bats better come to to play that day because there's going to be some run scored both ways so you never truly think you've arrived in baseball because the game just changes so much I mean you watch the Phillies over the last couple of years they'll score 10 runs one game in a world series and then get no hit the next day Uh so it's a matter of the pitcher. So your job, if you want to be successful, is develop as many pitchers as you can, right? Because you're gonna have to go through quite a bit of them. It used to be before they counted pitches, which is a good thing that they're counting pitches. You could ride one stud the entire season, but now you're gonna need three, four, five, six, maybe seven guys to get you through. A high school season, so you never totally arrive. Hitters show up every day, but pitchers are different. So, and they're different in their approach. They're different with their arsenal. They're different with their mentality. Uh, so, it's it's a bit of a bit of a challenge with baseball.
0: We need to take a break on -on one-on-one. We will have more with Bishop Eustis head baseball coach Sam Tropiano in just a moment, but right now, there's nothing quite like the Honda Accord Hybrid and the CRV Hybrid when it comes to exhilarating efficiency. With hybrid technology and thrilling capability, these vehicles deliver an electrifying performance on every drive. This new year, discover for yourself what truly makes these hybrids special. Redefine your driving experience with Honda. KBB.com best value brand of 2023 contact your local honda dealer today about the honda accord hybrid and the crv hybrid and now on -on one-on-one let's get back to our conversation with sam tropiano he is the high school baseball coach at bishop eustace prep in pensauken new jersey so i think you've won five state championships am i correct at bishop eustace correct do they all hit the same like, I think there's nothing like your first time doing something. But does the the warm feeling of the championship, is it different every year? Is there more satisfaction doing it in certain years, maybe because of the makeup of the team, and or maybe who you beat or what kind of adversity you had to overcome? Do you kind of... Look at them all a little differently, and I mean, obviously, look at them in a great way. But do they do they hit a little differently?
1: Yeah, they they, they do. They're they're special. We begin the season by telling our guys there's only going to be a handful of teams that are going to be happy with their season because most seasons uh, for most teams end with a loss. So to win a state championship, you have to win those games in the playoffs, and a single elimination. So it's extremely gratifying to get to that and. It's something each one, I could tell you every score, I could tell you every detail, I could tell you how the game ended. It's indelible in terms of the memory that those bring. They're different, but I wouldn't say one is more special than the other. They're, they're all pretty special.
0: Were there certain points in those championship years where you became really confident that your group was going to be able to do it, or are you, until that final out is in the glove, I am not letting myself go there?
1: Yeah, you you kind of are, are waiting for each. You're counting each pitch, and you're counting each out. Uh, you're never quite sure. Again, baseball is a, a, up until this year. There was no clock in baseball. We could say it could go on forever, and it, it still can. They just have quickened it up in a, in a neat kind of way, but no, uh, you can't run out of time. You basically have to get all your outs and it's never safe until, uh, the very end. So we've been down to our last strike in a playoff run and have come back and won that game. And Then we continued on and won a state championship, and you're eternally grateful that you got through that one game because it could have ended at any time with anything possibly happening. And that's just part of that's part of the fun. That's part of the roller coaster ride that you're on once the season starts. You just get after it, and, and. and just keep grinding
0: you talked about being competitive uh what hits you more do you love to win or hate to lose
1: i hate to lose more than anything winning is is very short-lived in my world and it's it's a shame that it's like that for me because i can still remember winning some state championships and you're on the bus holding the trophy and you're already planning next year's lineup (laughs) you're on you've reached the mountaintop and you You enjoy it for maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then you're planning ahead. So I tend not to enjoy wins as much. I I tend to look forward to the next game. Uh, Losses stick with you a little more. I I think losses teach you more about what you need to improve on. Winning is a bit of a perfume that covers up some of those bad things that you're doing. So definitely to answer your question in a long-winded kind of way, probably losses.
0: That being said, do you measure success the same way now as you did when you were a younger coach? Like, obviously there's wins and losses, but I think what you can deem success goes deeper than that. Do you feel like what you consider success has changed over your career?
1: It has. You're probably right. Early on, it was about wins and losses, and it was about championships, and now you realize that success is really the young people that you're around and what impact you made on them. Uh, I've been fortunate that over the years, many of my players have invited me to their weddings and I have baptized a few of their kids. And uh, I just a- attended a wedding not too long ago, one of my players. And I have an assistant coach that I uh, who, who was a former player. So they come back and they want to give back to the program. So I, I think you you value the relationships as time goes on and you prepare them you prepare them by saying hey listen this might not end well we're we're going to try as hard as we can to be in a dog pile but it might not end well so just be prepared for that just in case that happens and it's pretty sad there's a lot of crying at that last game a lot of hugging uh but the the relationships are still there the camaraderie is still there so that that part that part is 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 kind of is kind of rewarding.
0: More than 700 wins, the state titles, uh, winning as coaches, South Jersey. Do those numbers mean anything to you, or are they more just a product of if you do the right thing and you have success, a lot of that stuff will happen?
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't get too wrapped up in those numbers. I, sometimes I'm embarrassed by those numbers because, again, you just live in the moment. You live in this game. You live in this pitch. I call pitches, so I, I, it's pitch after pitch after pitch. And before you're done, the game's over and you might have been successful. And I just try to live where my feet are and don't think too much about the past. Don't get too far into the future. It's a crazy live in the present moment type of experience as a coach. And, and you know, sometimes that takes away from the joy. But I, I kind of feel that you'll have time later on. To appreciate you know some of the things that have happened but not not quite yet
0: do you often have your players in the classroom I do is that something you have to kind of separate like there's Jack that plays for me but then there's Jack in the classroom and do you have to kind of build up a wall and not let maybe frustration from mistakes he made on the field in practice or something he's not getting carry over to the classroom and vice versa.
1: Yeah, that doesn't become much of an issue uh, that way. Our, our kids are pretty good. I'm, I'm blessed to be around a lot of great kids who are very serious about their academics and um, they're very respectful in the classroom on the field. I, I'm, I'm truly blessed. I mean, I'm in a great academic setting with a, a very supportive school and administration and, uh, I've been pretty blessed that way with with parents that really value what we're about here as an institution, as student-athletes. They've been trusted their young people to us. So, no, that's never been much of an issue.
0: You've had players come through your program, go on to play college, play Division One, play pro ball, play in the big leagues. Talk about the pride in seeing kids that came through your program that you started with when they were 14 or whatever – and then see them elevate to those great heights?
1: It, it, it's neat. It, it's neat to see, you know, the Zach Gallons of the world pitching in the World Series and the Salamitos and the Devin Smelters and Blaine Neals and Mark Sauer, and the list goes on and on. But I'm just as equally proud of all the great kids that have become doctors and lawyers and just great husbands and fathers, and they bring their kids. I've been blessed now to coach quite a few sons of players that I've coached and that's kind of neat. Uh so I'm just as proud of those kids and the success that they have become as I am of uh, the major leaguers and the D1 players. Uh they're they're both uh, equally a big part of my heart.
0: I'm interested in kind of going along with, you know, having players go on because you're getting um, you know, a lot of times at awkward that awkward age, 14, 15 you know, they're growing kind of they're changing lives all over the place. How often are you surprised with what a kid turns into? Or do you think you've been doing it long enough that you have a pretty good idea within a pretty standard range of, of what a kid's ceiling is? Or have there been a couple of times where you're like, boy, I never thought he'd turn out to be that good?
1: No, he, he, you, you'd be surprised, Matt, how many times a kid will come to us and he hasn't fully developed. He hasn't gotten his growth spurt, but there's a little bulldog in him, even though he's five foot four and 122 pounds. And then all of a sudden you see him sophomore year and he grew six inches and he put on 40 pounds and he, now he's a big bulldog. And then he got very skilled uh, in, in what he was doing. And there's always one or two kids that that season you were not expecting them to be a big part. And they, they do become a big part. And that's a, that's a gratifying thing to see those kids come along and be that underdog and then be successful. That's a a lot of fun to kind of watch that.
0: The British literature, I'm curious, do you ever use any of that in your teaching? Quotes, stuff like that? Because that is very unique, I think, within a coaching, to have a coach with that type of background. Is it something you ever weave in?
1: Uh, I do, occasionally. I mean, Shakespeare is so easy to quote. And one of my favorite tragedies is uh, Julius Caesar. And uh, Caesar, right before he's about ready gets stabbed, I literally gets stabbed in the back. Uh, his wife tries to warn him and say, hey, I had this terrible dream. You shouldn't go to the Senate today. Yada, yada, yada. And typical Caesar, he says to her, hey, listen, a coward dies a thousand deaths. A hero dies one time. And I, I tell my guys that, like, don't be afraid to fail. you're afraid to fail, you're going to fail all the time. And you're going to be always in fear of of that possible failure. Just go at it and let it get off your back. And I think this is where the teaching part in me helps because we now know in education that someone who has a growth mindset, who's not afraid to fail, as opposed to someone who's just so fixed in how they think about things and are worried. And I, I don't think we do kids... Many favors that way, because we're always evaluating them. We're always putting a test grade on and You got this wrong. You got that wrong. And 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 kids get a little gun shy. They're afraid to make mistakes, you know, because they got to get the grade and they got to get the award. And I think if you can kind of get that out of the picture, like don't worry so much about the grade, don't worry so much about. Getting a base hit, just go up there and do your best. Try to hit the ball hard. Sometimes it'll be right at someone and you just tip your cap. Nice job to the defense and move on. But you can't live and die on every possible at-bat and every possible pitch. So I think that, again, that's where the teacher in me helps me a a great deal on the baseball field in terms of how to teach the kids how to compete. Because it's it's pretty hard out there, Uh, again, especially in baseball
0: been at bishop eustace since 1990 the success you have had was that a conscious decision that this is where i want to be for the long term or was it one of those where you love it you're enjoying it and one year then all of a sudden it's five years and wow i've been here 10 years and how would you kind of look at it from that standpoint and did you ever think of you know having some success maybe i can take this to another level
1: yeah, I was, you know, a few times been recruited to go to other high schools, a coach on the college level. But I, I really enjoy, enjoyed my time and still enjoy my time here. At Bishop used because of the academics, because of our great em- environment. I, and I've been blessed to, to be able to do this as long as I have. You don't do this without some really good ballplayers. I've had so many come through here and they just keep coming. Uh, I'm not a big recruiter. Uh, They just keep coming. They come for the education. They come for the environment. They come because of the Blaine Neals and Mark Sowers and Zach Allen. They just come because of that. So I've had some great ballplayers. I had some great assistant coaches who have helped along the way. I don't do it without them. And then I certainly don't do it without an extremely supportive wife uh, who I've had to miss so many family functions, so many weddings. So many events and she doesn't bat an eyelash. She just goes with the punches and she's our biggest fan. She's our biggest supporter. She She's right there by my side in just about everything we do in that regard. So you really, now that you got me reflecting a little bit, you, you really feel blessed and, and feel humbled by all the people that are responsible for your success and I haven't won one game I haven't thrown one pitch I haven't gotten one hit in 38 years but yet everybody wants to put all these wins on my ledger and it's it's not my ledger it's it's Bishop Eustace baseball which involves so many people in that regard so you be, you do uh, become humbled by the situation do you have a favorite part of game day <laughs> no I enjoyed the whole day from the preparation, I, I enjoy preparation. I enjoy practice. Maybe the players don't enjoy practice as much as I do, but I I enjoy the classroom of practice. I certainly love the competition of game day. And so I just think any, any day I'm in a classroom with kids or I'm on a ball field with kids, it's neat because they keep you young because they're 16 every year. And they haven't changed. I get older, but they don't. And uh, that's kind of neat in that regard. They've changed a little bit, but not a lot. Kids are still kids. And uh, it's really been fun to be around them.
0: And that was kind of my next question. Like, you kind of feel like, for the most part, kids now are the same as kids 30, 40 years ago? Because one of the things, you know, one generation to the next always complains about the young people and how it's so different. But as someone who's seen them come through, you know, you feel like they're pretty much the same?
1: They really are. You know, you know, obviously the industry of travel ball has changed kids a little bit, but it's made them more prepared, but it has put an individuality into the sport. I think if anyone's changed, it's parents. They've changed, but kids, kids are still the same, but there's still a, a lot of great parents who understand what high school is about. It's, you'll get exposure during your travel season. And then you'll probably get your college scholarship during your travel season, but it's during high school season that you're with your friends and you make memories and you enjoy each other's company and you establish relationships and, and you learn how to be a, a good young person. And a lot of parents uh, appreciate that and get that. And kids appreciate and get that. They, I think they genuinely enjoy being with each other. I I played games an hour away. And I tell kids, hey, listen, we're playing at Seneca tomorrow. I know you live in Tabernacle. You can go home after the game, not jump on the bus. And Matt, they're on that bus back. And I was like, what are you doing? Coming on the bus back. And they're like, yeah, I just like the bus ride back. The bus ride back after a win for these kids, it's just so much fun and so neat. Uh, In that regard. So you could just see the relationships just form. Uh, As I said, I have a great assistant coach, John Pancella. And and John and I joke about like two weeks ago, I told you I was at his buddy uh, from high school, Nikki Brown. He was at his wedding. And, uh, you know, I try to tell the kids, hey, guys, this is what it's about. His buddy just got married a couple of weeks ago. And that's what high school is about. It's about your future best man might be here and your best buddy might be here. And, uh, you you know, it's just an, an incredible experience forming those relationships, those lifelong relationships.
0: Given everything we have talked about, what do you hope people, when they think about Bishop Eustace Baseball, what they take away from your program?
1: That we have produced some outstanding young men uh, who've gone on and become very successful, whether it's in baseball, whether it's in law or medicine. Uh, and we've been pretty blessed that we've been very consistent over the years. Uh, we hardly ever rebuild. It's just the culture that's here, these kids just transmit it to the next kid. I don't even have to say too much. Our seniors will take the young freshmen under their wing and provide them rides home and teach them the way of the world in terms of here's what you should probably do in the winter. Uh, take care of A, B, and C, and you'll be fine. And you know they'll they'll help each other out. And the, I mean it's incredible. My dugout, they're talking about lab reports and SAT tutors, and it's a it's a neat kind of place in that regard. But it's all about the culture and the camaraderie that these kids uh, have with one another. Is
0: there a Shakespeare line or part of a story that you that really resonates with you as far as the career you've been able to put together at Bishop Eustace and the, the effect you've had on kids?
1: Uh, I don't know, Matt. That that one I would have to think about. Um, no, I would I would say not with Shakespeare. I think for me it's more the world. Of psychology, it's more the world of can you learn to deal with adversity and be better for it? Can you make not only yourself better, but can you make the person next to you better? I think that's how you become a successful team, that you, you become a good leader with your teammates and help them out. Anyone can help themselves and help themselves to whatever sunshine they want to get on the baseball field, but to help others is a special thing. And that's really what what this is about. One of the things we we preach here is to give service to others. And it, it it starts in many ways. And what what I found over the years is I used to think early on in my career that they played for me. And that's probably not true. They play for each other uh, more so, which is neat. And that's how it should be. They don't need to play for me. They need to play for themselves, the love they have for the game and for the guy next to them. Uh, It took me a long time to understand that, but once you get that, you have a deeper appreciation for what they're going through and what they're striving for and what they want to get from the game.
0: Final question, could you have ever imagined, I think it was you said 82 when you first kind of got into coaching, could you have imagined the ride that being a coach would take you on?
1: Now, uh as I say you you're, you're going to get me reflective again, which I don't like I don't like to do, but no, I never never thought I just thought it was going to be a short-term gig. As I said, my my vision was more towards the academics and teaching at the college level, but the good Lord had other plans for me.
0: Sam Tropiano, thanks so much for taking the time. This was great. Thank you, Matt. Uh- And that
1: will do it for
0: this week's episode of One-on-One with Matt Leon, sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers. Get a deal you'll like on a Honda you'll love. Want to thank Sam Tropiano, the head baseball coach at Bishop Eustace Prep High School in Pensauken, New Jersey, for being our guest this week. Now, if you like the show, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, do us a big favor. Leave us a rating and a review. You can follow this show on the platform formerly known as Twitter, now known as X at One-on-One Pod. You can follow me there as well at Matt on 1060 thanks so much for listening and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation
1: with someone you should know more about